Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hodgeberg, and this is episode number 346. Look, let's face it, these days, it's all about coronavirus because that's all we can really talk about, all we hear about, and there's obviously been a major impact on Royal Caribbean. In fact, my upcoming cruise on Royal Caribbean has already been canceled as part of a 30-day suspension, so I wanted to talk about what it's all about, what we can expect, and if you have a cruise coming up soon, what you should be doing or not doing as it relates to planning for that cruise. Here we go. It seems like the news today is all about the coronavirus, COVID-19, whatever you want to call it. And it's, look, it's the big news. It is the news of 2020. And and looking at it as it relates to cruises, I couldn't help but focus on this week's episode because I was actually planning on this week having an episode all about my upcoming Royal Caribbean cruise. In fact, I already had it recorded. It was great. I had everything all set to go. And then, of course... The coronavirus really spread dramatically. And the short answer is my cruise on Harmony of the Seas that was supposed to go out on this past Sunday on March 15th was canceled as part of Royal Caribbean's 30-day suspension of cancellations of cruising across the world, right? And I wanted to take this opportunity to share with all of you some takeaways, some tidbits for anybody who's going through this, because I think there's a lot of people listening to this podcast who are probably falling into one of three categories. Somebody who had their cruise canceled already, just like myself, somebody who has a cruise coming up, I would say in the next 90 days, and somebody who has a cruise coming up beyond that and what to expect, what to do, because let's face it, this is going to be something we're going to be dealing with for at least a little while longer. There's no doubt about that. So Looking at what happened was I was planning on going on my cruise. My cruise left on March 15th and Royal Caribbean ended up canceling everything for 30 days on, well, they made the announcement on March 13th and I believe it began at midnight on March 14th, right? So uh, I was obviously not able to go there. And as a result, we have two choices that we were given by Royal Caribbean. One was take a full refund, 100% refund, or receive a 125% future cruise credit. I opted for the future cruise credit because number one, I paid for this cruise a long time ago, so I'm not really hurting for the money and I don't really need it back. Number two, I'm also going to be cruising with the Royal Caribbean anyway. And the extra money you're getting as part of that future cruise credit, that 25% bonus, that's just, I mean, that, that's free money. It's literally what that is. And since I'm already planning on going on a cruise again, I'll be using that. And the nice thing is Royal is giving you a lot of flexibility when it comes to those refunds and what to do. What's interesting to me about it is they've said to guests, hey, if you ever change your mind and want to get a full refund instead of a future cruise credit, you can change that 100% refund up until December 31st, 2021. So really, there's no reason to take the refund right now unless you're, again, want the money right now. And the nice thing about being able to wait on this is, hey, look, you say, okay, I'm pro- I'll be like Matt. I'm going to book another cruise eventually and I'll take advantage of that free money. But you might get a year from now and be like, you know what? It's not really going to happen. Let me take that money back. And you always have that option there, which is really, really nice for them to do that. I mean, it works for them. Let's let's face it, right? If you keep it as a future cruise credit, the longer you do that, the longer they hold on to your money. And that gives them more flexibility uh, on their end of things. So, you know, it's doing both of us a favor, but I do like that kind of flexibility there. The th- One of the f- early takeaways from this is if, if you're concerned your cruise may be canceled, my advice to you is as long as you're okay with the idea of going on your cruise, if you have a cruise coming up in April, May, or June, as long as you want to go on the cruise, you know you want to go on the cruise, my advice is let it ride. Even if it looks like, dude, there's no way this cruise is going to go on, go for it. There's a couple of reasons for this. Number one, if Royal Caribbean cancels on you, you will get more money back. Clear example right over here, right? Now, of course, there's no telling that if they cancel any more sailings, what the refund policy would be. There's no guarantees in life that you'll get 125%, but you will almost certainly get more or no, no less anyway by having Royal cancel on you than you cancel on them, right? You say, okay, I don't want to go on this cruise anymore. 
and you know you're only going to get at best all your the 100 percent some some bonus money so so that's number one and there's been definitely a lot of people who canceled in that week before the announcement was made who instantly are angry because they're not getting 125 percent which i'll be honest i think that's just the way it goes. I mean, you didn't have to cancel. You might be saying, well, I was doing the responsible thing and I knew that it was silly for me to go. I didn't want to take the risk, blah, blah, blah. So I canceled. Okay. But, you know, there's there was risk on my end. I mean, I was risking going on the cruise in the sense that all the things going on there, who knows what could have happened if we actually went on that sailing. But I was willing to go for it. And again, this is how it kind of works in the business world where if the company's at fault, there's usually more that gives back to the guest. Now, I understand not everybody can do that. Sometimes the writing's on the wall. In a lot of other cases, people had things coming down from their employer, from their school that says, hey, if you go on this vacation, either you can't go on this vacation, or if you do, you're going to be have to self-quarantine for two weeks. You know, I, I even if I wanted to follow your advice, Matt, I couldn't take that risk that the cruise would actually go on. I understand that. And then 100%, you know, future cruise credit back is nothing to, to, you know, to be upset about. It's still, you know, your money back to be used at a different time. And I think most people listening to this podcast would probably fall under the category of people that are probably going to take another cruise again. I think that's a usually a fair statement to say. Not everybody, but I think most people. So if at all possible, you want to let it ride. That's, I think, especially important. Also, considering that the airlines have also offered very flexible terms and being able to reprice, because I know not everybody can just drive to the cruise port. And if airfare is a factor, it is nice to know that not only is Royal Caribbean being flexible with this ability to cancel up to 48 hours before your cruise, but the airlines, hotels, I mean, pretty much anybody in this day and age of coronavirus is going to be willing to give you your money back or at least defer it to credit of some kind. I also want to make another recommendation for anybody. We've talked about this before in, in previous podcast episodes, but if you're going on a cruise in the next 90 days or so, my advice also is to seek out others on the same sailing. Great way to do this is go to Facebook, uh, search for your ship name and the sail date, so like Harmony of the Seas, March 15th, and see if you can find a group for your sailing. The reason being is in the days leading up to your cruise, if you're wondering about things, if you're trying to get advice, see what other people are doing, I feel like this is really when it's helpful because Facebook groups for sailings are always nice, but usually it's just for organizing, you know, pub crawls and, and people kind of meeting up and having photos with each other. But in the case of this, when you've got an active experience going on, it's quite clear to me that having a sounding board and other people in the exact same situation as you really helps because I understand that when, and this happened to me in the week leading up to our cruise that didn't actually end up happening because it was canceled, was there's a lot of ambiguity out there. There's a lot of things moving. Every day something is changing and it's hard to know really what to expect. Now, I'm not saying that everybody in your group should be taken as gospel because clearly there's a lot of bad information out there as well, but I do think at least it helps somewhat to get some advice or at least hear what other people in the exact same scenario as you are doing. So I think that that's really important right there. In terms of actually canceling the cruise, when it became apparent that it wasn't going to happen, actually when the announcement first came out, there was a little bit of a lag factor from when the announcement was made until my cruise actually canceled. It may have taken as much as 24 hours for my sailing to actually disappear from my account. Now, keep in mind, obviously, your the future cruise credit applies to my cruise fare. Things like gratuities, shore excursions, drink packages, those all get refunded back to the original foreign payment, your credit card. It can be done automatically. Some people, including some of my friends, opted to do it preemptively. You could still log into your account and cancel it that way. You could. The idea being that if you do it, the faster you do it, the faster it gets processed. And obviously, if you're hurting for the money or you want that money back quickly, that does make a, an effort. For me, though, I just let it all ride there. I don't think I, I went into the account to change anything. You'll get your gratuities back, your royal up. 
really everything outside of the cruise fare comes back to you as a refund. So it is really automatic, although it does take a couple days for the uh, refunded things to come back. The future cruise credits, as you may or may not know, are all being processed, I believe, in April. So it's going to be a little while. They're going to give time. But, I mean, they're just slammed about this. And I will tell you this, and I've talked about this during the hurricane episodes when my cruise was canceled because of Hurricane Dorian. But, guys, if you're not using a travel agent, use a travel agent. Use a good travel agent. Because I picked up the phone a grand total of zero times to call Royal Caribbean. And in the last week, I don't know what it's like this week, but in the last week, the whole times were measured in hours, not minutes. Do not do that. Let your travel agent do that for you. Again, a good travel agent costs you nothing extra. I use them. I mean, it's. I often get the question, look, man, why should I use a travel agent? I understand what you're saying, but I can do all of it on my own. I'm much faster on my own. I don't need somebody else to be there. I want to manage it all on my own, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Fine. And that works for 98% of the time. But a situation like this, a situation like a hurricane, I'm telling you guys, use a travel agent. It is so helpful for making your life easier on you. And I, I'm, I've been so impressed because not only are they managing, you know, my account, they're dealing with all their clients right out there. And I know that that travel agents in general were working tremendous hours where they were just working day and night processing, canceling, changing, upgrading, in fact, because in the weeks, in the, about a week or two leading up to my cruise, when I still thought I was going, there were quite a lot of deals out there. I mean, I was able to upgrade my room, I think, two times. I don't remember what I initially booked. I ended up in a, I could have gotten a junior suite for free. I ended up, though, in a connecting balcony because we wanted connecting rooms. But, um, you know, another takeaway from this is if you're dealing with, you know, some situation like this, whether it's coronavirus or you're dealing with uh, a hurricane, I really do recommend that you look for up last minute upgrades to be able to take advantage of price drops. Because again, if the price ends up dropping to what you paid or less, even your past final payment date, you're not getting any money back, but you can move up to that next category of room, which is really nice to do. So that really helped me out quite a bit. And it would have been nice to have taken advantage of that. But, you know, obviously I'm disappointed. I mean, I think I'd be, uh, that's pretty, I think obvious, but you know, it's it's one of those things where it's out of my hands. I feel like when I canceled the cruise for the hur for Hurricane Dorian, back in Labor Day, I was far more depressed because the cruise went on without me and I opted to cancel for very good reasons, but we could have gone on the cruise. Whereas here, Royal Caribbean made the decision for us. And I, my wife told me, she says, look, I would have liked to have gone on the cruise, but I also feel better that Royal made the decision for us, took the decision out of our hands because it's just, you know, look, there's a lot of things that are out there, right? On the one hand, we as cruisers know how well Royal Caribbean maintains its ships, sanitizes everything, does all that and we want to go on our cruise vacation. On the other hand, of course, there is so much pressure out there, both from the industry, both in the media, from the general public, whether it's informed or not. And just, you know, there's just a lot of people who just cannot understand why a cruise ship at all would be operating there. And so for the 30-day period to suspend cruises, which by the way is unprecedented in the cruise industry, you know, it, it, it makes total sense why they did it. And I certainly understand why they did it. I would have liked to have gone on my cruise. I would have loved if they had pushed that back to like, you know, a couple of days later and I could have gone on my sailing, but that's okay too. I'm I'm also not going to sit here and, and you know, you, it's like crying over spilled milk. It's gone. It's not coming back. There's nothing you can do about it. Nothing I could have done about it. So, okay, sarah, sarah. Now, the thing to look forward to is what's going to happen after this 30-day period because there's a lot of people who have cruises in, like I said, at the end of April, May, June. I fall into all three of those months. I've got a cruise April 23rd, May 16th, and June 5th. And there's reasons why every single one of those is in jeopardy right now. Um, there's, look, the 30-day period, who knows if that's going to it's going to extend or not? That's probably the question I get the most. Do you think 
this 30-day period is going to stay? Is it going to be extended? And I can see it both ways. On the one hand, if you follow the news, I'm trying not to <laughs> follow the news. For my 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 desire to be informed is conversely uh, opposite my desire not to go crazy with all this crazy you know, with the news and, and scare myself. But if you follow any of this, it just seems like every day the numbers go higher, the news is worse, things are closing down, people are you know it's it, it's it's spreading is the short way of saying it. So looking at the way, you know, looking at where the pendulum is swinging, to me, I just don't see this improving to a point in 30 days from now where, you know, it's going to be better than it was when they started this. Thus, they can't possibly put up, they, they, they have to cancel more cruises, right? On the other hand, they're a business and they're going to, and, and if there is risk with everything they do, and I think that I, I wouldn't be shocked if they all came back after 30 days and said, we're going to offer cruises, whether or not anyone goes on them. Hey, whatever, but you know, we got to start making some money because some money is better than no money. And there's a lot of businesses that are out there that I think understand they're trying to balance, you know, certainly keeping their customers safe, but also they, they're, they've got to make money. I mean, this is people's livelihoods, literally. So I can see it both ways. I would be, I think, more surprised if they did go ahead than if they didn't, then they canceled more sailings. I mean, uh, I know that some cruise lines like Disney and I think MSC may have gone to, they're longer than 30. I think it's more like 45 or 60 days. And I believe Carnival and Norwegian are doing the 30-day thing along with some other cruise lines that are out there. I think Princess has done easily 60, if not more. They're in no rush to get back to operation. And I only laugh at that because they've obviously been, become synonymous with coronavirus. And I think at this point, the other issue that's that's at least occurring now this week is the media is in full scapegoat mode in the sense that whoever's doing anything remotely bad, boy, becomes front page headlines. I mean, it was first it was the cruise ships, right? Oh my gosh, can you met Grant, you know, Diamond Princess in Japan, filled with coronavirus, right? And then once the cruise ships shut down, well, now it's anybody going to a bar, anybody going to a restaurant, people, you know, uh, anyone who's still at school. I think most schools are pretty much done at this point. But you know, the point is, is that. I feel like if the cruise line came back after 30 days, if, if if things do not dramatically improve at this point by, you know, in the next 20 something days that I just think they would have a giant target on their back, which by the way, they already have a giant target on their back because there's a lot of uh, uninformed people who think that cruise ships are these awful places you're stuck on that, you know, where disease just breeds all the time anyway, which of course is not true. But again, they're not doing themselves any services by trying to come back, and especially if, if the environment, uh, both in terms of the health situation and public perception, is not welcoming. I think that, you know, when after 9-11, which is one of the most common comparisons, after 9-11, it was almost patriotic to go spend money, to go travel, right? I remember, you know, going to the mall buying myself a shirt, you know, and something like, oh, I'm stimulating the economy. I'm doing my part here, you know, USA, USA. Uh, going on an airplane, you know, people would you know, cheer and and there were giant flags at the airports, which, by the way, I think still exists today in a lot of airports. Um, that The public sentiment, though, had gone from grief, although it was still you know, grieving, don't get me wrong, but it went from grieving to, you know, uh, about supporting ourselves. I don't think we're there yet. I, I don't. I think that there's going to need to be more of a recovery feeling that and once that happens guys i really think that 
it's going to become almost your patriotic duty to go travel. I mean, because the airlines are hurting, the cruise ships are hurting, the hotels are hurting. I mean, everybody, everybody's. I don't think there's there's probably few industries that are not affected by this. Uh, probably other than the news industry, they're probably doing quite well with all this. But um, it's you know it, it it's it's being felt all over. So I think we're all in, in agreement that we want it to end quickly. But and I think we're all in agreement that we want to get back to normalcy quickly. But again, when that is, so if you have a cruise, let's bring it back to cruising now. Again, the next 90 days, I first of all, I don't know how to predict what to happen. I honestly don't know. I've got, like I said, three different sailings. And on the one hand, I can sit here and think about a scenario in which I go on these sailings. And on the other, uh, I, you know, the other side of it is I don't think so at all. And it's kind of like, you know, when you're making a decision for your children and you start envisioning the worst case scenario, and then you try to be more realistic with it and you come up with a different scenario in your mind. That kind of is what it reminds me of. I'm, I'm not sure which way to go on that, but it's, it's tough. Um, and, you know, that, that makes it, I know that a lot of people are just in this, like, they're in this hover mode. And don't forget, you have up to 48 hours now with the Cruise with Confidence program to cancel your cruise, get a future cruise credit for 100%. As opposed to if you try to cancel and get your money back, if you're before final payment, if you're after final payment date, rather, you'd be subject to a penalty and only get some of your money back. But at least there's more, there's you you have more time to decide, which I absolutely love. And as I mentioned earlier, the airlines and the hotels are all pretty flexible right now. Anyway, so you've got that going for you. So my advice is if you still want to go on the cruise, hold on to that idea, stay with it. Hopefully things will get better and you'll be able to go on your cruise. But again, if you're looking to maximize what you're going to get back out of this, make a positive out of a negative, again, let Royal cancel on you, not the other way around. Even even if it looks like there is no way this is going to happen, there may be some really good incentive to, to give that a shot. But I understand that if you get to that 48-hour mark, and I had a friend of mine who was going on with us on Harmony, and we got to that 40-hour mark, he canceled, and of course the next day, about 24 hours later, they Royal made that announcement. That was a gamble. I mean, he... he that he fell in that situation with the work situation where, you know, if he got on the cruise, the, he wouldn't be able to work for two weeks. So different scenario there. But, you know, you've, it's going to be a very personal decision for everybody that's out there. There's no denying that. Now, for people that have cruises beyond the next 90 days or so, July and onwards, you've got a little more rosy uh, outlook in the sense that, look, time is your friend, is, is everybody's friend when it comes to the coronavirus. The longer we go, um, you know, if, if the coronavirus follows seasonal uh tendencies, patterns, you know, the flu flu season is where we are right now. And as we get into spring and summer, the flu tends to dissipate. Now, it's not nearly as prevalent as it is in the winter. So hopefully by the same token, coronavirus, as we move forward, we'll start to do the same thing. And of course, the longer we go, the longer we have more opportunity we have for a vaccine, for a treatment, uh, for something to happen. Although, you know, yes, I'm not going to sit here and we'll go into how long a vaccine takes to get from, you know, theory to production. That's a different, that's a far less um, rosy scenario right there. But um, time is on your side. And longer we go, I think the better uh, better your chances are actually going on your cruise. I think there are two areas of the world in which cruising right now is really not going to happen. Actually, there's probably more than two than I think about it. Originally, I was Europe looks really bad right now in terms of being able to go on a Royal Caribbean cruise at all this year. You, we would have to see a Herculean effort for that to be. I, I just don't see that happening at all. Honestly, I mean, it's just... I, I, I can't see that happening. Um, Alaska, Canada has already closed its borders through July 1st, which may or may not present a problem. It presents a problem. Uh, I could see, you know, if the U.S. government says, okay, we're going to waive the Passenger Vessel Safety Act, whatever that one is that requires a cruise ship to stop in a foreign port. 
um, you know, they can do so. And then that would then theoretically, if Alaska's open and Seattle's open, you can go on a cruise out of there. But that's like not as dire as Alaska as as Europe, but it's getting there. Um, and and you know, those are the two that are biggie. I think the obvious one that I didn't even bother mentioning, but you know, obviously Asian sailings are pretty much out for. Uh, that's a really good question. What is going to happen? I mean, Royal Caribbean was so big on China in the last couple of years. And I think at first they were like, okay, well, we'll just wait this out. And now I don't, I really don't know if they're going to go back to China, at least anytime soon, because, you know, it's not that they don't, that there isn't a market demand over there. It's just that it's such bad optics. You know, the whole print, the diamond princess scenario with those people who got sick and, and the ship was in Japan at the time. No cruise line wants that. That's awful news. So, you know, those areas are all kind of, I mean, the Caribbean, South Pacific, those are the safer areas. Um, you know, Canada, New England, again, the Canada problem is, is the bigger issue that affects not only Alaska, but also the New England cruises as well. So there's a lot at risk here. And, and I think anybody who can tells you they can predict what's going to happen is just, you know, pulling your leg. There's, this is a very dynamic and fluid situation. So you've got to simply, uh, look at it as that and take it literally one step at a time. My advice to you is don't, don't dwell on it too much. Uh, number one, a lot of this is out of your hands. Number two, again, time changes a lot. And we, a lot has happened in the last seven, 10, 14 and 21 days. So you've got to just, again, be able to go with the flow here and see how it goes. And then, you know, if you, if you find yourself against a wall, proverbially, then make that call on, on canceling it, but let it go as long as you can. And there's nothing wrong with trying to making new bookings for the future. I mean, if, if nothing else, perhaps the the silver lining to come out of this, I hope, and I don't know about this. We'll see about six months from now, 12 months from now, especially, you know, where are cruise prices going to be? Because that's really interesting to me. Where are we going to be f in terms of a price for a cruise? Because cruise prices have been going, had been going up a lot. They're still very good value, but clearly the industry was doing well. Prices were going up. We all saw this, right? This is not a surprise. But now I wonder... What I mean, the impact, there's a short-term and a long-term impact, and I'm just curious how cruise pricing is going to respond afterwards, especially if there is a strong dip in demand for it. They have to lower the prices. I mean, they could keep it at where they are and sell half full, I suppose, but I would think they're going to lower the prices there. Uh, and that may be the silver lining as we record this episode here in 2020, that looking back on this a year or two from now, perhaps that will have almost reset the odometer of cruise pricing, perhaps. I hope. I hope that's that'd be a nice take, at least for us, for as consumers. For the cruise line, not so much. But yeah, it's it's a crazy time. I mean, it's just that's the best way I can use to describe it. It's a crazy, crazy time, and it's just one of those things that, in some cases, we have no control over, and in others, you got to make a decision when it's right for you. So don't feel you know bad if you're going against some of these things I'm telling you about. It's more about what you're comfortable with, but it's important to also take a look at the bigger picture to figure out what's the best decision for you and your family. All right, time to answer your listener emails. This is the part of the episode where I answer the emails you sent me about your upcoming Royal Caribbean cruise or something related to Royal Caribbean, I suppose. And I'm still gonna answer these questions in the context of not coronavirus as much as I can. But we'll start off with an email from DW, who writes, I'm a loyal royal and loyal listener to your blog. I always enjoy your wishlist episodes where you talk about your wishes of what you'd like to see from Royal Caribbean in the future. I spent so much time poking around the Royal Caribbean website, exploring, dreaming, and planning. I'd like to share my wish list of things that I'd like them to add to the website. Maybe some of these things are already there and I've just missed them. Maybe you or your listeners have more to add, but here's my list. Number one, ship 
classes. When doing a search, there is a full list of, of all available ships, but if I only want to consider Quantum or Oasis class ships, I have to know the names of those ships and click each one individually. Number two, specialty search. Rather than searching just by ship class, it'd be awesome to have a more granular search. I only want to cruise on ships with Izumi. I only want a ship that has infant care. Only show me ships with iFly. How about alerts? I will have to set up alerts that just let me know when new dates are announced. Let me know when any new cruises or over 10 days are available. Let me know when alert gets any new itineraries. Then there's save searches. As a parent with, a grand, with grandchildren, I'd love to be able to save different search criteria. Like number one, grandkids, a search that looks for only cruises out of a specific port, five nights or less, on a ship that has a splash pad or water park. Or search number two, just me and my wife, a search that looks for any cruise on our favorite ships. And of course, lastly, save a search. When I find a cruise I like, but I need to think about it, I'd love to save it a liked list that I can easily find in a few days to YOLO book it. These are my wishes for the site. And like I said, some of them may already be there, but I haven't found them. Love the podcast. And I'll listen to you later today on the way home. <laughs> DW, this is awesome, dude. I love these ideas. There's one problem with them. And that's gonna be the ship classes. Once upon a time, your suggestion would have been fantastic. I think in 2020, ship, the notion of ship classes is borderline irrelevant. What I mean by that is because of Royal Amplified and even just new ships in general, Royal Caribbean is not using ship classes like they used to. Back in the day, when I say back in the day, I'm talking like 10, 20 years ago, they, when, it, when there was a ship class, they were literal carbon copies of each other. Sometimes venues changed names, but they were all the same, right? I mean, look at the Freedom class before all these changes, right? There were two restaurants on there. You had, uh, you know, you had Chops Grill and you had Portofino's. You had the H2O zone at the pool deck. You had the Flow Rider. You had the Rock Climbing Wall. You had the Royal Promenade. I mean, they were they were carbon copies. The Radiance class, the Vision class. Oh my goodness! All copies, 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 copies. When the Oasis and Quantum class started coming out, wrote and Oasis and Alert carbon copies. But Harmony and Anthem and Quantum were the difference. They started saying, "All right, well, Quantum is obviously the first in the class. Fine." But Anthem was different than Quantum, and Harmony was different than than Oasis and Alert. Symphony is different than Harmony and different than Oasis and Alert. And with the amplifications, they're all different. Independence is different than Freedom of the Seas, different than Mariner, different than 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 Mariner and Navigator. I mean, their Voyager is completely different as well. I mean, they're not all the same features. So ship classes, yes, I, I understand exactly what you're talking about, DW. It makes total sense. But I think for most people, ship classes is irrelevant. I think there are a subset of people who may, like, I'll be honest, sometimes I'm interested in just Voyager class ships and like that, but it's not what it used to be, so I wouldn't mind too much if that didn't go there. But the rest of the features there are fantastic. I mean, more personalization in that searching would be amazing. And I love that idea of the alerts, especially search and the save searches, I feel like should be easy to do. The alerts would be tough because I don't think their system can really, they'd have to have a lot more, again, customization that goes in with it. But these are great ideas, so thank you. Barbara Young has our next email. She's from Baltimore, Maryland. My husband and I booked an eight-day uh, SE Bahamas cruise. I don't know what SE means, but Southern something on Grandeur to the Seas. And we're excited to go to Cocoa Key for the first time as our previous cruise visits to the island have resulted in a sail by due to poor tendering conditions. Uh, in excursion planning, I found that the new beach club would be open during our stay and we decided to take, check it out. We arrived on the island and walked to the club. It didn't take more than 10 minutes or so, but a tram was also available. We were warmly greeted by the staff and quickly admitted our after scanning our CPAS card. We also found a helpful reminder by the entrance to book a reservation at the restaurant for lunch. 
After doing so, we headed into the resort. My first impression was that they had been we had been transported to a beach resort in the South Pacific. We headed down to the beach area and were able to find a spot at the water's edge. We really appreciated that there's an umbrella for every two chairs that are there and plenty of room to move the loungers to stay in the shade throughout the day. Staff members are also nearby to get beverages. The sea, the sand, the beautiful views, and a perhaps adult beverage resulted in a very tranquil and relaxed experience. So relaxed, in fact, that I began to hear the voice of Matt doing a Roller Caribbean blog podcast about the beach club. I asked my husband if he heard the same thing, and he attributed it to a man walking down the beach with a phone, probably listening to a podcast. Talk about being a ro loyal Royal Caribbean blog fan. It was time for our lunch reservation. We headed to the restaurant. Good that we made a reservation as others in line would have been assigned a time about an hour or more later. We were seated at a shared table, which we enjoy. The wait staff were knowledgeable about the menu and provided some great recommendations. We headed up to the appetizer bar. You could really make a meal out of the offerings provided there. And we're happy to be directed to the wash station with soap and water. Great to have access as the washy-washy liquid used in the ship dining areas doesn't quite take care of the lotion and sand. I love the offerings on the buffet, as well as the lobster entree and the filet. If you have room for dessert, the brownie caramel dessert is divine. As we were leaving the restaurant area, I saw a guy that looked a lot like you, Matt, talking to a manager. We went over to introduce ourselves, and it was you. Thanks for taking the time to talk with us, as it added a real bonus to our perfect day. Here's a few other observations about the beach club. In answer to the is it worth it question, for us at the price of $39.99 per person, it was a good deal. The meal alone was worth that value and we got to use the beach club mats and have adequate space around the umbrella. I'd say my max price would be up to $60 per person. Given the location and separate entrance fees, it probably would not make sense to book the day club and try to do the water park on the same visit. From our experiences, there was usually a wait for the restrooms that may have been underestimated capacity. Facilities were well-maintained and clean, and the boom worked seamlessly throughout our visit. Kids are welcome at the Cocoa Beach Club, but I can't imagine getting kids past the water park and play here spend the day in the area, no matter how amazing. Just saying, based on my parenting experience. Again, thanks so much for taking time to talk with us, and we'll continue to enjoy to listening to the voice of Matt in your future podcast. Barbara, how awesome is that? As you, First of all, I didn't pre-read this email. When I see it's a podcast, I just move it to a folder. And as I got to the part about you heard someone talking, I was like, oh, maybe that was me. And <laughs> lo and behold, it is. it was me. So that's so cool. And I'm glad we were able to say hello. And I agree with a lot with your assessment there, uh, especially about the, the financing of it. You know, I paid $80 for it to go there. I booked it on board the ship. And that at the time I thought was was pricey, but it's nothing compared to what it is now at $199. But it is a real, it, I do agree that it felt like a resort. It felt like a Nachi Cocoa in Cozumel or any of those beach resorts I usually frequent. I That to me really felt like something that stood out and I really enjoyed that. So that's kind of why I, I, uh, agree with a lot of what you said over there. Next, we have an email from Melissa who writes, I found the Royal Caribbean blog podcast last summer after following Sherry at Cruise Tips TV. I've not been on a Royal Caribbean cruise ship since uh, Navigator in 2011 in the Eastern Mediterranean. I'm now booked for a friend's birthday on Adventure of the Seas of the ABC Islands. I have a few questions about pre-cruise, onboard, and excursions. Uh, embarking at Port at Everglades, first time there. I know you recommend parking at the port. Which terminal does the Royal leave from? Is it easy in, easy out? Uh, you are booked on Adventure of the Seas. You're probably going out of Terminal 29. There's two terminals Royal uses, 18 and 29. 18 is used for the larger ships, like the Oasis class ships. You could go out of there. There's no other Royal ships there. You'll be in 18. That's super easy. 29 is a smaller terminal, and it requires you to park at a garage in the terminal area, or in the Port Everglades area, but you have to take a shuttle over. It's still better than parking off-site, so I still recommend, my recommendation still holds up. 
Um, as a birthday gift to my friend, I want to make a reservation at a specialty restaurant for him and his husband. When and how do I make a reservation? Only to the main dining room on previous cruise. And can I put it on my account, but under his name, do I need to include a tip with payment? So when you can book it on Royal Caribbean's cruise planner, you need the reservation number and their last name. If you have that, you can go right to the cruise planner website, make the reservation in their name, pay for it, you're good to go. And no, you don't need to have, the, the cover charge includes the tip, so you're good to go there. Uh, what is the time difference from Eastern on the islands? It depends on the islands. Um, I know that like uh, a lot of the Southern Caribbean ones, you get uh, an hour ahead. Also depends if it's if daylight savings time or not. So it's one of, it, Melissa, it'll depend on when you go on your cruise. Good way to figure it out is just Google it, but Royal's pretty good at letting you know there, so. Um, appreciate the email, Melissa, thank you. Next, we have an email from uh, Megan Mapson, who writes, Hi, Matt. Just started listening to your podcast recently as my husband and I, who are from Lancaster, Pennsylvania, are looking forward to sailing on Grandeur, the seas out of Baltimore next week. This will be our second cruise on Grandeur, but I sailed on Sovereign with my family back in 2008. I've also sailed on Disney, Carnival, and the Big Red Boat. Talk about old school, right? Uh, Big Red Boat was my first cruise and my least favorite, hence why it's no longer around anymore. I heard you mention in previous episodes that we can get points from previous cruises, even from a long time ago. Well, thanks to your advice, I called the Crown and Anchor main number and told them I sailed on Sovereign back in 2008 with my family, but didn't know the booking number. Well, it wasn't easy at first, but after several minutes and more questions on both ends, we figured it out. I called and talked with an agent and he found the sailing, but then we got disconnected. Oh, that, they wrote that. Uh, <laughs> then I got called back to spoke and spoke to another agent, but he for some reason couldn't find the sailing on any record I was on it. And even though the previous agent found it, I was getting to the point of frustration, so I asked to speak to a supervisor, and he connected me to the one, and the supervisor found the sailing and added the points. It was a four-nighter that we planned uh, since it was prior to 2011, before the points changed, my four-night sailing turned into eight points, which changed my gold status from seven to 15. And since we'll be on an eight-night cruise next week on Grandeur, I'll have 23 points on gold, one step closer to platinum. Anyways, I just want to thank you for that valuable info. I wouldn't have known about it without your podcast, and we hope to do one of your group cruises in the future. You rock. Well, Megan, thank you so much for the email. And I'm so glad to hear that they were able to take care of you. That's such a great thing. Yeah, if you've been on any Royal Green Cruise ever, make sure you get credit for it. Make sure it's in your account because no matter how long ago it was, they will still give you the, the, the points there. So definitely something to keep in mind. And our last email today is going to be coming to us from Dave from Adelaide, Australia. Uh, so I'm driving along with my Uber Eats deliveries to earn my extra money for my cruise slush fund. <laughs> Listening to your podcast when you proclaimed your three wishes for 2020 with Billy. I just had to pull over right here on the side of the road and tap this email out to you. Your number three wish to have smoking banned in the casino on cruise ships and the debate whether they would be making as much money out of it as they would with smoking allowed. Well, the good news is that your wish has already been granted. Smoking in all indoor areas, including the casino, has been banned for some time on all Royal Caribbean cruise ships where the ship originated out of Australia, just like all land-based venues throughout Australia. It's fantastic for us non-smokers, and trust me, the casino is still plenty busy for Royal Caribbean. I highly suggest that in the name of research, you pick up your phone, call Annette from MEI Travel, and YOLO book your very own South Pacific cruise out of Sydney and check it out sooner than later. Again, as every listener says, thanks for everything you do and for each and every podcast you put out for us. As one of your newest insiders, I'm looking forward to annoying you to tears until you organize an Australian Royal Green Blog group cruise. Until next time. Dave, thanks for the email. <laughs> Dave, are you by any chance uh, also known as Pippa? Because Pippa, who we've had on this podcast, is like, she she always is, says exactly the same thing, Dave. She'll say, Crikey, Matt, you do such a great job. When are we going to have a group cruise down here? And she 
It sounds just like that, by the way. And she will, she's bribed me, Dave. She's offered me a free cruise if I come down there. But Dave, dude, I would love to. Like, I mean, I, I would love to, seriously. I mean, what's not to like about the South Pacific except for one thing, the airplane ride. Dude, I get like, I get like super anxious doing a two and a half hour flight to visit my parents in Connecticut. I cannot imagine doing a flight to Australia for 24 hours. Obviously people do it. Obviously it, it gets done and it gets done all the time, but I ain't one of those people. I'm sorry, I'm, there's gonna be, I'm waiting for something to happen. When I was a kid, Dave, I was promised flying cars and spaceships and all that. So at some point, Dave, it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. <laughs> and I'm hoping at that point, I can then organize the very first Royal Caribbean blog group cruise down under, mate. <laughs> God, every Australian right now is like, unsubscribe. <laughs> this is, I'm done with this one. <laughs> All right, guys, on that note, I can't possibly top that email, so I'm going to head on out of here. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of the podcast. Of course, you can always send me your emails by sending them to Matt, M-A-T-T, at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. So until next time, I'm Matt Hochberg, and we'll talk again soon.